Welcome to Momentum Church. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome to 2020. Amen? Man, I'm telling you, um, if you don't know who I am, I'm Ross. I'm the pastor at Momentum Church. And um, it's crazy. We were on sabbatical this fall. I want to thank you again for that. You guys are awesome. I appreciate that. And the plan was to come back on the 22nd with fire. You know what I'm saying? And um, I teased my wife. I said, I want the triumphant return of Ross Wiseman. <laughs> Isn't that how it is, like in our, our, our ego and our mindsets? I'm just being honest. Can I be real transparent with you? And um, on the 22nd, I did not come back that strong. On the 22nd, I was a few days into a sick that now is about 18 days in. And I don't feel sick. I just sound like a gangster. And so, man, I'm telling you, on the 22nd, I was not going to miss that day for nothing. And, um, and I want to apologize because I feel like I let a bunch of you guys get sick because I showed up. And so I am sorry for that. And, um, and then on, on, on Christmas Eve, literally at 10 o'clock in the morning, <coughs> it wasn't going good. And I called Pastor Brantley. I'm like, Brantley, I don't know if I can do this. I just, I'm my throat, you know. And I said, I'm going to call it at 1130. And so I waited until about 1145. I was just waiting for a 15-minute miracle. I just, God, please. And um, so I get in front of my notes in my home office. And I'm like, you know, when I was a little kid, I mean, it was coming out rough. And coughing every couple words. And so I called Pastor Brantley. I'm like, you got to bring the word today. And what was so neat, and many of you were here at Christmas Eve. What was so neat? Isn't that cool? That's my Jesus. And, and the Lord had already given him a word for Christmas. Well, a Christmas word. But he said, I'm not going to get to share it. You know, there's no way after 12 weeks, Ross is going to let up the pulpit for a couple months. Which is true. But with that... The Lord had given him this amazing word. If you missed that word, oh my gosh, what a great word on Christmas Eve. And, and really it was a picture of what we were experiencing because we had plans, you know. But God had a different plan. And so we worked that next plan. And God received the increase. And the Lord really allowed me to see through the whole sabbatical and even the way it ended not like I hoped. All right? All I could think about was coming back on the 22nd and preaching fire, you know. And man, even the way it worked out in my weakness, if you will, Jesus was seen. Amen? And guess what? That's all Jesus was telling me my whole sabbatical is that he just wants to be seen. And as your pastor over the next year, here in 2020, I want Jesus seen so much more clear than I've ever ministered um, in my life, you know. You know, today, the first day, the first Sunday of 2020, there will be preachers all over the country preaching 2020 vision. You know what I mean? Say, you know what I mean? I'm just being honest. Half my pastor friends right now are preaching, getting your 2020 vision for 2020. It's just too easy. Amen? It is. It's just like, man, it's like a softball. Psh, you know, it goes way out there. And so all over the country, people will be preaching about that today. They'll be preaching visions about their building. They'll be preaching visions about what they're going to accomplish. <clears throat> They'll be preaching visions about being bigger, better, faster, stronger, all those things, you know, which is awesome, amen? How many want to be bigger, better, faster, stronger? Oh, yeah, 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 all those things. 
They'll be preaching vision about your own personal life and catching a vision this year for your finances. How many need a fresh vision? Come on, somebody, for your finances. Anybody in here? Yes, yeah. They'll be preaching fresh vision for your health. They'll be preaching fresh vision for your marriage. How many need a new wife up in here today? Don't you raise your hand. Man, you're crazy. Don't raise your hand. No. But they'll be, and I'm not saying none of that's wrong. How many know your pastor so often in January wants to do that? I do that every year. Like, let's go get what God asked for us this year. And I don't think that's wrong. <laughs> it's just not what the Lord was laying on my heart. That's not the scope of the vision God has given me for 2020. It's not the scope of what I want to talk about as we go into this new year. And I'm all during my sabbatical. The first week, the Lord gave me a word for, Chris, for, for Easter. I already have my Easter sermon prepared. That, that's pretty cool. And then after that Easter sermon was prepared, it got quiet when it concerns y'all. Okay? It just, I'm just going to be honest. It got so quiet during my sabbatical when it concerns Momentum Church that I'm looking at God going, God, are you done with me at Momentum Church? I'm just, can I be really transparent with you? Because as a pastor, at least this is how I've operated for 28 and a half years, almost 29 years. I can't preach and bring the word if I don't have an unction. Amen? I'm just being honest. If there's not an unction from the Holy Spirit, I'm going, Lord, what in the world? So that whole, I didn't pick up on it, but that whole, you know, sabbatical, the last few weeks of it, the last, like, about, about in the middle of it, I'll say, I started getting nervous, Susan. I did. Because I'm like, God, you're not giving me anything. He was giving me words for my family. He was giving me words for myself. He was giving me words for life. I mean, just tons of, I got a notebook full of stuff. Read tons of books. All this stuff was happening, but I wasn't getting a word for the house. And it was getting me nervous. Amen? And I'm just like, what in the world, God? If, if you're not giving me a word for the house, I can't go into 2020 just preaching what I want to preach. Leading how I want to lead. Amen? I hope you appreciate that. Okay, and on December 4th, I'll never forget it, on a Wednesday, in the spiritual place of picking my child up at his school, the Lord speaks in that pickup line, right? It was the craziest thing. I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I got this fresh vision started dropping in my heart. I started crying. I'm like, I can't be crying here in this in this pickup line, people will think something's wrong with me. But something was. God was stirring in my heart a fresh vision for the house. And I began to literally almost like, like almost could see the cross, a picture of the cross. I mean, I almost could just like visually see Jesus on the cross. It started just in that moment. God, you want us to focus in on the cross. You want us to focus in on Jesus like never before. Go figure. Christians focusing in on Jesus. Amen? Not five points to this and ten points to that and six points to that and three points in a poem and this. But really like focusing in on Jesus. And that afternoon, this vision of the cross and a desire to be that if God wants us to be who he wants us to be, that we've got to understand who Jesus is and understand his work on the cross. We, we need a fresh vision of who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. And that may sound really, really um, um, elementary, but y'all, we have learned so much that we've went past just the beautiful relationship we have with Jesus for church church at times gets so focused on so many things that we just have ran past the one that's the the the, the founder of our faith 
if you will. And so in that moment, I'm there, and, and the Lord just starts to drop all this in my heart. I get Grant or Mac picked up. I get Arden over at the preschool picked up. I get home. I start filling up my notebook. What I was going to preach this month, I crossed it out. I'm like, I'll preach that some other time. I start writing all about the cross and about Jesus and who he is and, and how we've got to embrace who he is more and understand who he is more and line our lives up with who he is more. Shout more. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> then, that's Wednesday. Thursday night, I go to my friend's house. He may be here. Bruce Weeks, nope, he might be in the next service. He may be dead. So many people are sick right now. I know he was sick last week, too. And... um. But I go to Bruce's prayer meeting. He has this prayer meeting up in Jasper. And that night, man, he begins to preach. And guess what he preaches about? The cross. Amen? When service is over, I lean over to Amy. I open my notebook up. And I'm like, look, Amy. Look, look, look. I want her to see. I crossed that out. And I wrote that in. This is, this is God confirming some things in my spirit. I'm hearing again Jesus on behalf of momentum. Praise the Lord. That night I go forward for prayer because I'm just being honest, man. After 12 weeks of not preaching, I'm like, I mean, have I forgot how to do this? And some of you listening today, you're like, yeah, I think you have. <laughs> and so I go forward for prayer and I ask him, I say, Bruce, I just want some prayer. I'm going back here on the 22nd, you know, got, got getting ready to start back into the you know, flow of ministry with the church again. And, and I, just, I just want his anointing. I just want touched by the Lord and to be ready for it. That's all I said. And he goes, and the first thing out Bruce's mouth, he lays hands on me, okay? And he goes, Jesus, let Ross be hidden behind the cross. Lord, just allow him to preach the cross. <laughs> you know, it don't take much for me to cry. I start weeping, you know. When church was over, I ran and got my notebook. I had this notebook. I had just for sabbatical. Filled the thing up. And, and I ran and got my notebook. Bruce, Bruce, you got to see. Look at this. And I had this sermon I was going to preach. And I crossed it out. And I wrote the cross. And this is where we're headed. And this is what we're going to talk about with Jesus. And then you pray that prayer. Man, it just, you cannot know what it did for me. Not just as a pastor, just as a believer. Have you ever been through situations where as a believer you just feel like, I just, have I forgot how to hear from God? You know? H has my brain got so distracted by so many things, and I'm just going to be honest, for about a year and a half, there was a whole lot of relational stuff that distracted my brain, you know? And I really believe the Lord allowed that portion of my sabbatical. He didn't give me a word for you. Why? Because he was doing discipleship and development in me. He needed me to focus on me and my faith. After December 4th until the end of the sabbatical, until December 22nd when I came back to preach, man, I just kept filling up stuff. I mean, like the Lord just kept pouring stuff. And God knew. I'm not going to allow that young man to lose. Young man? Uh, who am I saying young anymore? I'm not going to allow that middle-aged guy to lose out on this personal development by getting him excited about what God's doing in his church too soon. And so the last third of that sabbatical, man, just filling up the notebook with what God's going to do in us. Amen? I want us to stand to our feet this morning as we go to a passage of Scripture that's one of my favorite passages. <coughs> and it's Hebrews 12, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And, and I just, I'm going to take you a little bit on a journey of just kind of discovery of what the Lord was showing me um, during sabbatical here just a little bit and where we're headed. And this is going to set us up for our series that we're in right now, okay? Um, and the series that we're in really, really kicks off next week 
Um, but, but this is kind of like the precursor to it. And it says in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And we do, don't we? Don't we have weight upon us? How many, how many people sin in here? Nobody, how many liars are in here? Every one of you that didn't raise your hand, you're a sinner because you lied, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so it says here this weight and the sin that ensnares us, but it tells us to run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto, unto who? Under your preacher? Under your journey group leader? Under, under your minister, to your ministry team leader? To your best friend? No, no. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now watch this. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. This place of sacrifice. He endured it. You know what the joy is that's set before him? Everything that you're walking in right now. Your salvation, your redemption, your infilling of the Holy Spirit, your moving under the sanctifying power of God. That's the joy, all that you could walk in, that more that God has for you. That's the joy that allowed him to endure the cross, that cross that was set before him, despising the shame, and has last sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would visit our conversation over the next few minutes and that this year you would draw us into a place, God, where we look to you, the author and finisher of our faith. We look to your cross and what that means, Jesus. Help us, Lord, to get a vision of you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can have your seat. So it says here, looking unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus. Literally, that word looking, looking literally means to actually look away from everything else in order to look intently upon something. So it's not just to look, it's to look in spite of everything else. It's to look at the exception of everything else. It's to look at the detriment, if you will, of everything else. It's to look past, to look at Jesus so intently that he is the focus and everything else has to be in the peripheral of your vision. Amen? So we look unto Jesus. And if you do this, take your glasses. How many got glasses in here? You, know, you can take your glasses off if you want. Or, or if you just take your fingers. Take your fingers and pinch them into a little tiny, little tiny, see how, like that. I don't know if when you were little, when I was little and my eyesight was starting to go, like at five, I can remember doing that. I, somebody showed me, and you could pinch your fingers together, and you would get a little bit of a clear vision. It, it would clear up things as it, it obscured all the other things around, the light and everything else. It would kind of give you a little bit of a vision. But what you're doing is you're blocking out everything else. And you're looking through your fingers, and your vision increases. You're, you're blocking it all out. Man, I just want a year. And we're going to set this year up right I'm through, this is an eight-week series, guys. I never preach eight-week series, amen? I just don't. Part of that's my ADD. I can't keep my focus for eight, eight, eight weeks, you know? But we're going to block everything out. We're going to focus in on Jesus over the next eight weeks, this week and the next seven, seven weeks. As we grow closer 
to him as we grow closer to any object, really a, a person or, or something, as we get closer to it, doesn't our perspective start to change? Our understanding starts to change as we get a little closer to things. You know, um, I like to, to hunt and deer hunting. You can see the deer out there with my natural eye. I can't. The guy I hunt with blows my mind. He can look out there and go, oh, that there's a spike, year and a half old spike. He can see it with his natural eye. I got to get binoculars. And even with the binoculars, it's like, I just don't have good vision. You know what I mean? But those binoculars, he's got a pair of binoculars. I grab those. I can see every little hair on that animal. It's like, oh, I, 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 it, I'm looking. That, that, those binoculars are, are causing everything to focus in. And you start to see clearly. Our view gets more clear. And our understanding increases as we draw closer to something or as we can get a closer look at something. And, man, Jesus is the foundation of our faith. We need to take a look deep, close at Jesus, at his cross, at what he has done. And I believe when we do that, our vision for everything gets clear. Our vision for life, our vision for health, our vision for our marriage, our vision for our, our dating. Amen? How many single folk in the house? God wants a vision for your dating. Amen? Our vision for our finances. All those things start to get clear as we look to Jesus. Because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one that's writing it and accomplishing it and finishing it. And so all I want to do this year is help us to get a vision of Jesus. Not to come here this morning and, and get you excited about what God's going to do next. I believe God has some great things he's going to do next. I believe there's healings about to manifest in this house. I believe there's financial breakthrough about to manifest in this house. There are those bound by drugs and alcohol that's going to break free this year. I believe that. Amen? But I believe it's going to come out of a body that gets their eyes. Everybody shout Jesus on Jesus. Shout Jesus again. Amen. Amen. That's where we've got to go. I believe we can't see Jesus clearly, though, if we don't look at the, the lens of the cross. And we don't preach a lot about the cross, do we? You know, church just kind of stays away from the cross sometimes. Because the cross is a place of pain. It's a place of death. It's a place that seems a, a blood. And, 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 and it's like, ooh, I want to preach happy Jesus. I don't want to preach cross Jesus. I want to preach resurrection. I, I do too. I do. But I think the cross shows us a few things, and I think the cross, getting a fresh vision of the cross, reminds us of two things. The first thing that the cross reminds us of, it is the place where Jesus died to self so he could live for you. Did you know that? Literally. He did not have to go to the cross, but he chose to die to his desires. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he even said, if this cup could pass from me, this opportunity, this, this need to die. God, if it could pass for me, let it be so. But if not, let it be according to your will. You know, I mean, it was one of those things to where his self, he was 100% human when he was here on the earth. Yes, 100% deity as well. But that humanity within him, that self, he had to lay down and be willing to go to that cross. Why? He died to self so that he could live for you. Isn't that wild? That's how important you are. If you're here today and you're doubting your importance in 2020, you're doubting that, that, that God even cares about you. Man, he allowed his own son to die for you. That's how important you are. Amen? That's how valuable you are. A life for a life. And so he laid down his own life for you. 
And without the cross, when you look at the cross, without having the cross, there would have been no death of Jesus. Without the cross, there would have been no penalty paid for your sins. Without the cross, there would never have been a resurrection. And the resurrection is the proof of our victory in Jesus. Amen? The resurrection is proof positive that Jesus is alive. You know? Everyone else in the world dies, stays in the grave. Not Jesus. But it had to start at the cross. Death had to come first. The cross, without the cross, there would be no indwelling of the Holy Spirit in your life. It all started at the cross. And then he died. And then he was raised again. And if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he quickens your body. In other words, he indwells you and you come to life. So that's the first thing we have to understand. The cross is the place where Jesus died to self so he could live for you. Can I say it this way, though? If you think about it, didn't Jesus come to be a model to us in, in all things? He was tempted in all things, yet without sin. He shows us that example. He shows us how to live. But guess what else? He shows us how to die spiritually. And so then the scripture comes along and tells us that we are to pick up our cross daily. Well, I, I thought he did everything on the cross. He did. He did. He did everything on the cross for you. Yes, he did. But watch, that cross number two is the place where we daily die to self so we can live for him. Do you catch that? So it's the place where he died to self to live for us, but our daily cross is a place, it's the place where we daily die to ourselves so that we can live for him. Here's the thing. I think the American church on a whole has forgotten that daily submission of our lives to Jesus is a vital part of our faith. Come on, somebody. Amen? I do. I think that, I think that the Word of God is a great big book of suggestions for about 90% of most American Christians. It's a great book of suggestions. This would be really, really neat if you could live it. This would be really neat if you even tried to live it. But I think so often it's just, nah, you know what? That's not what it's about. No, no, we're going to get there. So submission to his work in our lives and submission to his will, it's vital. We cannot embrace who he is and not live out what he calls us to live out. But the thing is, trying to live out what he calls us to live out without embracing who he is first, man, that just becomes behavioral modification. That's not where it's at. We're going to talk about that a little bit more before I finish today. And so getting a fresh vision of who he is that goes beyond the consumerism and the humanism of the modern-day church is so important for us. Pastor Ross, what do you mean consumerism? I don't even have to go there, do I? Church has become so consumeristic. Faith in Christianity. Man, get your T-shirt, get your new calendar. I, I bet you got your new 2020 Jesus calendar somewhere on your calendar. You know, all this, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of consumerism. Even when it comes to the house, what is in it for me, for me, for me, for me, for me, for me, for me? I, I get that. We need fed. We need developed. We need to grow. I understand that. But so often the focus gets off Jesus and it gets on stuff. Or it gets off Jesus and it gets on people. The idea of humanism. And I've been at fault preaching more sermons about you getting better, but not talking about the cross and how Jesus can make you better. Amen. I want to do a better job as a pastor of causing this house to be Jesus-focused. Amen? 
I don't want us to be consumeristic Christians. I don't want us to be humanistic Christians. And I'm going to be honest, my wife and I have really been talking about this a lot. We see the shift in the American church happening. We just see it. It's, it's, it's rampant, you know. And I don't know what's going to happen in the next 20 years. The last 20 has blown my mind. How many has been, you've been a Christian longer than 20 years? Raise your hand. Okay, some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has it not blown your mind how things have shifted, not just in the world, but in the church? And that doesn't mean that we're going to go, you know, I'll never be old-fashioned. You know that. I'm not, I'm not talking about that that way. Okay. <clears throat> there was just a, 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 a time when there was some, such an awesome reverence about who Jesus is, you know? A time when we try to line ourselves up to him and his heart and his will and his way. And, and as Christ followers, it was something to where, man, what, what would Jesus want us to do in this situation? How would Jesus want us to think in this situation? I just want to get back there for my own self, you know. I don't want my faith to be centered on me. I don't want it to be humanistic. So what can Jesus do for me? How can Jesus help me? How can Jesus, Jesus, you know. No, Lord, Lord, what can I do for you? How can I serve you today? What would please your heart today, Jesus? Hmm. Don't miss this next thing. Nowadays, people want to hear a message of hope more than a message of change. But can I tell you, without change, hope is just a placebo. Do you get that? you catch that? I want to be a house of hope. I want to be a house where we preach God's going to bring you more. Amen? But just to come in and amp us up only, okay, without looking at Jesus and who he is, the cross where he died for you, and the cross that I pick up daily where I live for him, and die to myself and live for him, I don't want to walk with this sense of hope that becomes a placebo. And I'm always just hoping, always hoping, never changing. Always hoping for a better marriage, but never changing. Always hoping for better health, but never changing. Always hoping for better finances, but never submitting my finances to Jesus. Always hoping, hoping, hoping. And I can't wait for the pastor to preach the next prophetic word to me. That, yea, the Lord is going to bless you. And he's going to overtake you. And he's going to, yes, he is. But it comes as he changes us. Amen? And changes us for whose glory? For your, no, for his glory. Amen? Smile. My dad would preach at times, and he would say, it's quiet. That's because people don't talk when they're having surgery, you know. I always thought that was good. But I don't want just that hope to be a placebo. I want to see that hope manifest. And I believe that hope will manifest when we get a picture of the cross in our lives. And we get a picture of Jesus in our lives. And we understand who he is. We run after him. <clears throat> When we get a real glimpse of, of who he is, everything else in this world will begin to pale in comparison. Yeah, and I do have a vision for this church. And we've told you before, our vision is more. More of God, more from God, more for God. That's the house that you're in. We believe in more. Shout more. We want more of God, more from God, and more for God. Yes. And I have a, you know what? Next Sunday, I'm making an announcement about the building, about ready to, to start with the building project. So don't miss next week. I got vision about the building, you know? We've got vision for first responders. Alex, man, coming off a shift, honor you today. Give Alex appreciation. Came off a long shift, tired, and he's here in the house of the Lord. I'm so proud of that kid. And, but, but we have a heart for first responders, and you guys killed it. On the first responder Christmas blessing. 
That woman, she is so blessed. You were able to give her a couple months mortgage. You were able, she works in the sheriff's department. Deputy sheriff, you, you were able to bless her children with gifts and her with gifts. I'm so proud of you. Yes, we have vision. We're going to do more for God this year. But that's not where I want our focus. That's not where I want our foundation. Listen, here's what Duncan Campbell said. He was a, a Scottish revivalist. And here's what he said. He said, the kingdom of God will not be advanced by our churches becoming filled with men, but by men becoming filled with God. is that good? Chasing after God, chasing after Jesus, going after him and his work in our lives. Yes, and then all that we will accomplish on behalf of him. Powerful, wonderful. But I just want the foundation of our vision. If you want a 2020 vision, I just, Jesus. It's Jesus. There was a time in my life where I could walk in a room and begin a prayerful sense. And I feel like I can almost hear him. I was actually in a room one day praying in a sanctuary in Ohio. Lord, I just want to hear your footsteps, Jesus. And all of a sudden, I heard sandals coming up on a heel. Scared me to death. Until I turned around, and it was our youth pastor in Birkenstocks. I was like, dude, I thought you were Jesus. But what I mean by that, what I love about that is there was a, a palpable sense that he's in the room. That when I heard that, I really did. I thought he was right there. He was right there. He was. Man, I just want that for our house. I want when we come to the house of God, when we come to church, that we sense that, that we feel that, that, that there's a sense of anticipation of what will Jesus do today. So back in September, the Lord began to drop in my heart the word over our house for 2020. And it really was two words. And if you remember, I shared it with you. It was discipleship and development. Remember that? Discipleship and development. And it was strange to me that the Lord dropped discipleship and development in my heart so early. Usually as I pray for a word for the new year, it's usually around October, November, sometimes even December when it starts to come. But it came so early. And I believe the reason why was because the Lord knew I was going on that sabbatical. I didn't know, but the Lord knew. And he needed me during the sabbatical to move in discipleship and development. Amen? There were things he needed to work in my life so that I could come and work this out in our lives. <clears throat> so, during the sabbatical, as I said, God's working these things in my heart, very personal. And then on December 4th, he began to speak a word to me about the house, about to focus on Jesus and the cross and what that looks like. And, 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 and I'll announce here in a few moments that we're going to be looking at the seven I am's of Jesus. I'll explain that in a second. And, 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 and all those things are coming to me in the car rider line at the church, at the school. I get home, I fill the notebook, you know. Here's what's neat. That night, during my sabbatical, I was doing a morning time of quiet and devotion with the Lord and an evening time of quiet and devotion with the Lord. And so that night, in my evening time of devotion, I want you to open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 40. This is what I came to, okay? And what's so neat about this, I was using the Message Bible during my sabbatical, and I focused during my sabbatical all on the Psalms, 150 Psalms, mainly because that's where my heart was. Can I just be really honest? just really tense with a lot of relational stuff. I didn't realize how tense David was. I knew there was a couple verses I thought of David being tense with folk, okay? No, every chapter. I mean, like that guy was constantly, he was so frustrated with, with, with people and situations. And, and, but every time he would come back to point to Jesus, 
to point to God. Every time he would come back with worship and purpose. Worship, I call it worship and work, worship and work. Saw it all throughout the psalm, all throughout the psalms. Worship and work, worship and work. Frustration. But get your eyes on Jesus and work. Get your eyes on Jesus and go after purpose. And I just stuck in Psalm 150 that whole time of my sabbatical. And I actually read it from the Message Bible. And the reason why is because I knew if I took my, my normal English Standard Version that I study out of, I would turn these devotional times into studies. And I didn't want to study. I just wanted to hear from the voice of the Lord. And so I, I read that night. It was, very, it was a very neat exercise those 12 weeks. But here's what I read that night. You ready for this? This is after me feeling for, for two months the quiet voice of the Lord for this house. Going, God, are you going to speak something to me for momentum? Or not, I, I have plenty of word for me, but what do you want for our church? And that day the word came. That night I opened up this, and the Lord just touched my heart. He says, I waited, and I waited, and I waited for God. At last he looked. Finally he listened. That's how I felt. God, I'm waiting for you to speak a word on behalf of our church. He lifted me out of the ditch. He pulled me from deep mud. He stood me upon a solid rock to make sure I wouldn't slip. Oh, my word. I just blessed my stinking heart that day. That was the first thing I read, you know. And that's exactly what the Lord began to do. The next verse, verse 40, <coughs> verse 3. He taught me how to sing the latest God song, a praise song to our God. What blew my mind when I read that, that was the first thing that the Lord showed me during the sabbatical. The very first week of sabbatical, the Lord laid in my heart, I think it was a Tuesday if I remember right, that, that we need to be more engrossed with proclamation as a people of God. And I wrote it in my journal, proclamation proclamation that we need to be people that are are declaring who he is not just who we are but declaring who he is and 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 that was just so ingrained in my heart and when I read that I'm like yes Lord you did that you gave me the latest God song if you will the latest worship the latest praise the latest proclamation of you you begin to place that in my heart that very first week of sabbatical what's so beautiful is that very first week of sabbatical at the end of that week I end up going to my friend's church Jeff Hidden over at Victory Church that was the first church we visited and oh my word worship's going on Amy leans over to me and she goes Ross these songs have so much proclamation in them. That word came out of her mouth. I think I drove her crazy during the sabbatical because constantly I was grabbing my journal. Look, look, look. This is what I wrote this week. I had written the word proclamation, that we need more proclamation in our lives when it comes to the things of who Jesus is, you know? And so God that night, as I'm looking at this, I'm like, yes, he's showing me that he's been speaking to me this whole sabbatical up to that point. Watch this. Because I don't believe God doesn't want us to have more. Amen? It says, he taught me how to sing the latest God song, a praise song to our God. More and more people are seeing this. I believe God's going to bring more and more people to see who he is. Amen? You're going to be a part of that as you find who he is and begin to live that out. You're going to be salt and light in this world. And more and more people. Watch this. Seeing this, they enter the mystery, abandoning themselves to God. That's what I want. I want us to enter into this mystery of who Jesus is and abandon ourselves to God. 
Because Jesus, he is to be our focus. Who is he? Jesus is incomparable in his person. He's the only one I know that's ever walked on water. Peter started to sunk, did get a hand of Jesus, and I do believe Peter walked back to the boat. But man, that's not a normal thing. Jesus is incomparable in his person. Jesus, he is unsurpassed in his abilities turning water into wine, opening blind eyes, healing the the lame man. He is omnipotent in his pronouncements. What I mean by that is when he speaks it, it is so. Amen? All powerful in his pronouncements. Man, that's our Jesus. That's who he is. Unsurpassable. He is uncompromising in his principles. In other words, you can trust him. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's uncompromising in his pr- 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 principles. Psalm 44, 40, verse 4 through 5. Blessed are you who give yourselves over to God. So this amazing God that we praise, this amazing God that's inviting us into experiencing this mystery of who he is, if you will, abandoning ourselves to him. Man, as we go after him, we're blessed to give ourselves over to God. And that's kind of where the, 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 the title of the series has come from. You know, there was an old song, I have decided to follow Jesus. You know that song? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Mm. Blessed are you who give yourselves over to God. Man, I want to follow Jesus. The scripture goes on in verse 5. Turn your backs on the world's sure thing. Ignore what the world worships. The world behind me. The cross before me. The world behind me. The cross before me. The world behind me. The cross before me. No turning back. No turning back. Man, I hope you hear the cry of the Father. He's inviting us into this to, to decide to follow after Jesus. Not some preacher's vision. Not some just message of just hope. I love all that. I'm a preacher. I love all that. I just don't want us to miss Jesus. says the world's a huge stockpile of God wonders and God thoughts nothing and no one comes close to you I start talking about you telling what I know and quickly I run out of words neither numbers nor words account for you that's who you serve that's the Jesus that we follow after and it's a life of discipleship and development that is driven by a deepening awareness of who he is that's what I'm calling our church to amen not to behavioral modification, although change will happen. Because we're not preaching the placebo of just a placebo of hope. No, we're preaching what God will truly do in your life. That is real hope. Goes on. I'll show you how we don't want to just move into behavioral modification. Verse 6, doing something for you. Bringing something to you. That's not what you're after. Being religious and acting pious. That's not what you're asking for. <coughs> And that, 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 that's the rub. So often in church, I'm just going to be honest, a church matures. You know, we're, 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 it'll be 14 years old. This weekend, yeah, today, today's your anniversary. Happy 14th anniversary. Forgot about that. 
And so a new church, a lot of new believers, a lot of growth happens with new people. You know, God starts to bring those people maturity. Next thing you know, those people that start to get mature, that have been believers for a long time, start to get mean. And what I mean by that is they start to, to forget how it was when they were lost. But look how holy I am now. No, no, no. Let's never forget how it is to be lost. You know what will change the world? Can I tell you what will change the world? When people will truly walk holy but not walk holier than thou. That'll change the world. Amen? And so as your pastor, I, I want us to always be a church reaching the unchurched. I want us to always be a church that's putting spiritual principles down here at the lower shelf so people can get a hold of it. But then I have this rub where I've got to be able to help develop there too and help you grow. All right? But then every one of us has seen it before. A church 20, 30 years old that's full of sanctimonious people. They know all the Bible stuff. They know everything. But you know what I mean? But there's this religious spirit. I don't want that either. Amen. I believe we can do both. I believe we can reach unchurched folk and we can grow and mature. Amen. And not become religious and not become those who are are are, are looking down our nose at other people. I do believe that. So it's not just behavioral modification. Listen, if when it comes to this idea of the cross before me, if a commitment to this is anything less than a response out of a proclamation of who Jesus is, then all we are moving into this year is an exercise in religious behavioral modification. Okay? I don't want that. I want us to get, over the next seven weeks, a picture of who Jesus is, and then just go, God, I, just, I, wanna, I, wanna, I wanna strive after him. I wanna walk pleasing to him. Lord, those things that line up to your character, help me live those things out through your power, your Holy Spirit, you know? Scripture goes on, you've opened my ears so I can listen. So I answered, I'm coming. I read in your letter that you wrote about me, and I'm coming to the party. I'm inviting you this year to this party, this, this Jesus party, if you will. You're throwing for me. That's when God's word entered my life and became part of my very being. Jesus is inviting you into this, this relationship with him, this, this connection with him. And then my final verse, I've preached you, and you got to understand where I was at during my, my sabbatical when I read this. This was just so mind-opening to me. The Lord just, just blessed my socks off with this. I've preached you to the whole congregation. I've kept nothing back. God, you know that. I didn't keep the news of your ways a secret. I didn't keep it to myself. I told it all how dependable you are and how thorough. I didn't hold back pieces of love and truth. Did you catch that? For myself alone, I told it all. Let the congregation know the whole story. Man, I just want to be your pastor that does that. I want to preach this year love, and I want to preach truth. I can't tell you how often people won't let you preach truth to them. Truth hurts sometimes. And it's so easy when you feel that, not to go after the word and not to go after life change, but just to say, I'm done. I'm out. I see people in this room right now. I'm proud of you because you allow me in private to speak words of truth to you. <laughs> And you received those words. You changed your life because of those words. And you're in this house today blessed because of those words. Not because of my words. Because of his word. Amen.
And here's the thing. I just believe as we go after Jesus and we begin to really develop this relationship with him, more and more of his truth is going to intersect with our hearts. And that truth will come. And we realize we're missing it at times. We'll submit ourselves to his leadership and true change will start to take place, which is really the hope that we want. Amen? And so starting next Sunday, I want us together to get a fresh vision of who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. And so I'm inviting us together into a 50-day interactive journey of experiencing Jesus. And I believe that will be the foundation we need in 2020 to walk in discipleship and development. It's getting our eyes on Jesus. And so over the next seven weeks, starting next Sunday, we're going to look at the seven IMs of Jesus out of the book of John. That's the first thing we're going to do every Sunday. Starting next Sunday, we're going to be doing a seven-week fast. Smile. People are like, I'm going to die. Seven weeks. Here's how it works. That first week, next week, I am the bread of life. And so on Monday, we begin a fast of food. You determine the food. We'll talk about that next week. But next week, we'll be fasting food, starting on the 13th, okay? The week after that, on that Sunday, we're going to be preaching, I am the light of the world. So we're going to do a week of digital darkness. Turn that TV off. Turn the social media off. There's so much light that just comes in that robs us from his light at times. So a week of that. Do you see what I'm saying? So every week for seven weeks, it's an interactive experience of experiencing God. And every week there'll be something else that we're doing that week just to allow us to be very mindful of what God is doing in our lives and get our hearts on him. Third thing that we're going to do during those seven weeks, starting next Sunday, we'll be reading through the Gospels of Matthew and John. So it's 49 total. That's seven weeks. There's 28 chapters in Matthew, 21 in John. And so Matthew is one of the three synoptic gospels. So having that is kind of a nice primer of all the three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We're going to read Matthew, and then we'll do John. Amen? And so that'll be 49 days of doing that. So pretty much all of January and February, we're just going to have this, this real drawing into the presence of Jesus together as a family. Amen? <coughs> So I want to challenge you to commit to this. Next Sunday, we'll look at this, um, and we'll have a sheet for you for the readings and all the things that we're doing. And, and, and my mind does. I want you to have a formal commitment. Let's stand to our feet. I want you to have a formal commitment. We're going to close in prayer. But that song that I was singing earlier finishes with, Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, Still, I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. And, and I probably should have put the words on the screen. But let's all just one time as our commitment to him over the next eight weeks. Let's just sing. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Lord, we commit our hearts to you. We thank you, Jesus, for all you've done on that cross, for dying for us. And Lord, we choose over the next two months to set our hearts to live daily and sacrifice, to pick up our cross daily, to die to self, that we might live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.